Hi, baby family and friends. Welcome back to Weekend Wednesdays, the podcast that brings the weekend worship into your midweek. My name is Minsu Kang, and I'm your host for this week's episode. As the Esther series is slowly coming to an end, I wanted to remind all of you to send in your stories and testimonies to info at bayviewglen.org. I would love to share with all of our listeners how you've personally seen the fingerprints of God in your life throughout this sermon series. Of course, I won't share any identifying information if you choose to remain anonymous. Before we jump into the episode, I also want to thank all of you who have encouraged me in person saying that this podcast has been a way to bring worship into your midweek. That is the purpose and hope of all of this, so praise God for what he's doing. If you're ready, let's continue into Esther chapter 6. This is where the story gets really interesting. This is where the fingerprints of God really start to shine. Chapter 5 ended on another cliffhanger. A party between Esther, Xerxes, and Haman had just ended, with each of them going their respective ways. Esther was probably making plans for the next day's festivities before going to sleep that night. Not Haman. We read of him setting up a pole, hoping to impale his enemy, Mordecai, on it that morning. After the pole is erected, Haman makes his way to Xerxes in order to request for Mordecai's life. Time's ticking. Xerxes' situation is a little different. We begin chapter 6 with Xerxes tossing and turning in his bed. Whether it was the energy from the party or Esther's delay in answering his questions, Xerxes can't seem to fall asleep. And so, he calls for one of his attendants to bring over the chronicles of his reign, history books, aka boring stuff. The hope was that by reading through the pages, the attendant would put his king back to sleep. Remember in episode 2 where I mentioned an event being documented in this book and then just tucked away? This is where that event starts to make sense. As the attendant was reading a record of events year by year, he just so happened to land on the part where Mordecai uncovered the coup against Xerxes. I'm sure Xerxes recalled the events in his mind and said something to the effect of, right, I remember that. Xerxes stops his attendant and asks, what was done to honor Mordecai for what he did? Page flip, scan, 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 page flip, Scan, scan, scan. To Xerxes' surprise, the attendant says, nothing has been done for him. At that point, I can imagine Xerxes sitting upright, full of energy and ready to act. In haste, he wants there to be something done for Mordecai. Looking to his attendant, he asks if there's anyone in the court. Is there anyone around to assist him at this hour? As the attendant looks out towards the court, guess who's right outside? Xerxes' highest nobleman, Haman, you can't make this stuff up. The timing is almost ironic. Haman is brought before Xerxes, but before Haman could request for Mordecai's life, Xerxes asks him a question. What should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Thinking that Xerxes was talking about him, Haman starts to craft out an overly lavish plan for Xerxes to bring him honor not knowing he was planning all of this for Mordecai, the man he was seeking to destroy. To his shock, Xerxes approves of Haman's plans, but not for him, for his enemy, Mordecai. And so, 
Haman robes Mordecai with the king's clothes, parading him on the king's horse, while proclaiming throughout the streets, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Again, isn't this laughably ironic? Moments before, it felt like Mordecai's life was hanging by a thread, but through the intervention of God, Mordecai is not only honored lavishly, he is lavishly honored by the man who sought his destruction. Even Haman's wife and friends recognize this. After returning Mordecai to the king's gate, Haman rushes home covered in humiliation and grief. As he whines to his advisors and his wife, they proclaim, Since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. I'm sure this statement partially came from them all witnessing the sudden reversal of all these events. It is only God that could have caused this to happen. God is for his people, and there would be no way of stopping him. Before Haman could whine further, the king's eunuchs arrive and hurried Haman off to the second banquet Esther had prepared. What is going to happen next? In the sixth chapter of Esther, I saw God's fingerprints everywhere. But more specifically, I saw God's fingerprints in the ways that he started to make sense of prior experiences that seemed pointless and some that were downright evil. Like chess, God had set up all the pieces in the right places to begin moving things in his desired plans. It is no coincidence that Esther became queen of Persia. It is no coincidence that Mordecai heard the assassination plot and wasn't honored for it. It wasn't a coincidence that Haman had a prejudice against the Jewish people and wanted to seek the life of Mordecai. It wasn't a coincidence that Xerxes couldn't sleep that night. It wasn't a coincidence that Haman entered the king's court at just the right moment. It wasn't a coincidence that Mordecai's act of bravery was recorded in the history books and read to the king on the night that Mordecai could have been executed. I could go on and on and on. And we will see that more is in store. In the story of Esther thus far, the event that played a significant role in Haman's downfall was Mordecai not being honored for his courageous act in chapter 2. Not only was Mordecai not honored for what he did, but as we read at the beginning of chapter 3, Haman was put in a high position far above all the other nobles. In our human perspective, we can interpret these events as unfair. How does a man who does the righteous act get overlooked, but the man who does evil flourish? As an isolated event, it is so easy to interpret this event as such. But when we look at this event in the grand scheme of God's perspective and plan, we can see that there was a purpose to what was happening. Nothing was happening out of coincidence or luck. Even though it wasn't mentioned, I'm sure Mordecai looked at his situation at times and thought, something isn't right here. What was the point of obedience? What was the point of doing the right thing? It's tempting to lose focus of the bigger picture when we are affected by the power of an isolated instance. It's easy for us to take on this position when things don't go according to the plan that we had crafted. One of the major stumbling blocks for me in my Christian walk was my marital status. My plan was to be married, to have a couple kids, 
and to live in a beautiful home in the suburbs by my mid to late 20s. I dreamed of sending out a Christmas card to my friends and family, showing them the blessings that God has given me. This was such an important milestone for me that I volunteered my time at church, went through counseling, and prevented myself from engaging in certain sins, all in the name of guaranteeing my prize. But guess what? I'm 37 now, and none of these plans have been fulfilled. And you can imagine how remaining single has caused me to question the goodness of God and the reasons for why I'm following him in the first place. And I'm sure Mordecai can relate to me here. With every passing year, it became clear to me that I was following God only for his blessings and not himself alone. Rather than choosing to go my own way, God kept me hungry to know what he thought of my plans falling short. Because there was no plan B, I found it difficult to see anything good outside my ideal plan. And so, I went on a journey, and continue to be on it, to see what God had planned for me as a single person. How did God want to use my life in His ways? I could talk about this topic forever, but if there's one thing that I love about being single, it's the time that I get to connect with other people. For example, I've loved being involved with my life group here at Bayview Glen and the Alpha Course, not to mention hosting this podcast. I don't know if all of these things would have been possible if I chose my own path. It is a blessing to live out how God designed me. By not allowing my plans to unfold in my timing, God has used my singleness to make me more of an authentic disciple of Jesus. It has taken some time, but I can say that I'm following Jesus today not for what he can give me, but for who he is in my life. There has been a purpose to my plans not working out, and I'm excited to see how those purposes unfold more and more. Do you have your own version of my experience? Have some of your plans not worked out? Maybe it's a failed relationship between a friend or a potential spouse. Maybe it's the inability to have children. Maybe you didn't get into your chosen university or didn't land your dream job. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. I won't even begin to predict how God will move in your life, but I know He currently is. And I also know that what you're experiencing today, no matter how difficult it is, is for a greater purpose. There is nothing wasted. I want to end this episode by praying for you. I want to pray that the presence of God feels palpable as you grieve your plans not coming true. And I also want to pray for the courage to believe that what you're experiencing today is not random or purposeless. God's fingerprints are all over your life. Let's pray. God, I want to lift up to you those who are going through a very difficult time right now, who are experiencing a season of grieving. I pray that your presence feels very close and palpable. Yeah, I just pray that the idea is that you are near, that you are close, that you're good. I pray that that would be experienced, not just known right now in this season. I also pray that whatever uh, they are going through this difficult time, that this event would not cloud who you are, um, that this event would not change your goodness or change your character. I also pray for all of us who are going through something that you give us wisdom to see that our lives are not just isolated moments, 
but you have a bigger picture in mind. You have a bigger plan, a purpose. And so help us to hold on to even that hope to believe that our lives are not just this one moment. Uh, You see the bigger picture and you're guiding us in it. And so for all of us listening, I pray for perseverance. Help us to continue in our lives, no matter how difficult it is to believe in you sometimes, to see you present in these events. But would you guide us? Would you give us wisdom? And would you show us your goodness, Lord? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, baby community, that's it for me. Thank you for taking the time in your week to tune in. I pray that you are impacted as we engage in worship throughout the week. And I look forward to diving even deeper into what God is doing with you all. See you next week on Weekend Wednesday.